everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Crypto Chats. Um, I apologize for my absence for a couple of weeks. I had a lot of really crazy stuff happening in my personal life um, and figured it would be best for me to kind of just, you know, step away for a little bit. Um, but now I've got some episodes uh, put together for you guys and I'm excited to be making content again. Um, so today's episode is going to be a really, really cool one. It's actually like one of my, well, once we get into it, you'll understand what I mean by this, but one of my favorite things to talk about with anybody, like it, I, I love it. Um, we're going to be doing Frank Shaw's Gargoyle today. Um, so, you know, what I meant by one of my favorite things to talk about is I love talking about gargoyles and the history of them and grotesques um, and the difference between them. So, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get into today's episode... I actually want to explain the difference between the gargoyle and the grotesque because uh, there is a pretty big difference between them. Um, I think it's important, personally. It might just be like one of those things to other people where it's like, uh, tomato, tomato, it's all the same thing. But to me, I like that there's a, a difference between them um, and I like talking about it. So, all right, let's get into it. Uh, the gargoyle, by definition, is a grotesque carved human or animal face or figure projecting from the gutter of a building, typically acting as a spout to carry water clear of a wall. And the definition of a grotesque is a very ugly or comically distorted figure, creature, or image, or a style of decorative painting or sculpture consisting of the interweaving of human and animal forms with flowers and foliage. So... Um, if we go by the definition, you'll see that what we usually describe as the classic gargoyle is actually a grotesque, um, with the big key differences being that gargoyles were specifically designed to keep rainwater from eroding away at the architecture of a building. Way, way back in the day, before the modern image of the gargoyle came to be like a monstrous creature, which happened in the Middle Ages, gargoyles were different animals or creatures based on what region of the world you were in. Um, so for example, in China, they were often dragons, whereas in Europe, they were often pigs or dogs. Um, and then in the 7th century in France, there was a legend of a dragon creature called La Gargouille. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying that right, but La Gargouille <laughs> terrorized the people of, I, I'm not going to say this right either, Rouen, France, it's R-O-U-E-N, Rouen, I don't, I don't know, until a clergyman defeated the beast with the symbol of the cross, that is the legend. Um, this led to the monsterization of the gargoyle, as it was said to be a creature of Satan, and this also led to the idea that the gargoyle could protect the contents of the building it was guarding from evil spirits, because when La, La Gargoyle, <laughs> La Gar Gargoyle, <laughs> just, <laughs> we're gonna run with it, when he was slain, his head was placed on top of the church and the people of Rouen did not experience another quote-unquote evil creature again. So, anyway, um, later down the line came the grotesque because when people still um, liked this look of this monstrous creature guarding the building uh, but no longer needed um, the water spout aspect, because that was literally just to keep and kind of preserve um, buildings. Like, you know, you've got harsh rainwater running down the sides of these buildings. 
Um, they was tearing apart, eroding the stone, um, ripping out the grout and stuff. So the, the gargoyle was, was a creation of need. It was out of desperation for the buildings to stop falling apart. Um, but then when that no longer became a problem, just with advances in the way people were building things um, <clears throat> and how that was kind of progressing, then came the grotesque because the grotesque was the gargoyle without the function of the water spout. Um, and they're generally different looking. Um, like the grotesque is often um, a chimera, which is a combination of a bunch of different animals, but it's meant to look as scary and off-putting as possible. Uh, whereas the gargoyle historically was not. Um, it didn't become a monstrous thing until that, that la gargouille <laughs> um, from France in the 7th century is what I said. Um, so, yeah, so the, the grotesque has always strictly been um, this monstrous creature with no purpose really other than to kind of heighten the, the look of the building, kind of really play into that that gothic, spooky, scary look to buildings, whereas the, the gargoyle... Um, served an actual purpose um so then also like like i was just saying the gothic revival there was a huge boom of grotesque sculpture during that time uh because i mean if you know a lot about or really anything about the gothic revival it's literally right there in the name people ended up with like a new sort of appreciation for all of that like spooky gothic kind of creepy looking um architecture and art and fashion and design um, so that time period, grotesques became really, really common um, because it, it meant that you were with the times. Um, and now, now we have grotesques because they're fun. Um, I, I will say, you know, before we go off of this top, this specific topic, um, I wish I had a true, like, try and true gargoyle spitting water out of its mouth um, on the corner of my house. I think it would be very cool. And I wish that we could bring, I w we should bring that back. We should fuck a gutter. We don't need a gutter. We've got gargoyles. Okay. Bring them back. Let's, let's bring them back. Anyway, now we're going to get into the episode. Um, so again, if you forgot in all of the gargoyle versus grotesque talk, we are doing Frank Shaw's gargoyle today. Um, and this one actually was a lot of fun for me to research, not just because I already love gargoyles and like things about gargoyles. Um, but the story is really neat. So, uh, let's get into it. All right, on one evening, sometime in 1986, the actual date is unclear, uh, a man named Frank Shaw was wrapping up a normal day at work when he encountered something incredibly unusual. Shaw was an archivist for NASA at Houston's Johnson Space Center, which led to the occasional late night at the office, but when he returned home on this particular evening, his family noticed that he was incredibly shaken up and apprehensive to talk about what he encountered. Now, his story went untold to the public for 18 years and was later retold by his daughter Desiree in an interview in 2004. So some of the key details, like the date and time uh, that the encounter occurred, um, have just been lost to time at this point. But the meat of the story still remains. That's why we don't have a specific date uh, for when this happened. Because like I said, 18 years is a long time. You're, you're going to lose some of those um, those small de things that you, I don't necessarily think that the time and date is a small detail, but it's a small detail in the, in the scope of things. Anyway, moving on. Shaw told his family that when he was leaving the office for the night, he started to walk to his car like he would on any other night when he started to feel like someone was watching him. 
He looked around and found not a soul until he glanced upwards towards the top of the building and spotted a large winged creature sitting on the corner of the roof watching his every move. He described the creature as a jet black humanoid with large leathery bat-like wings and a large quote-unquote cape draped over its shoulders. He said the wings seemed to grow out of the cape like wrinkled flesh and that the gargoyle generally looked like it could be related to the Mothman or even the Owl Man of Cornwall. Sean also, or excuse me, Shaw also described a feeling of immense dread upon realizing the creature was looking at him, so much so that he felt as though he was frozen in place by fear. He noted that it seemed like the creature was reveling in the terror it was causing him, almost savoring its moment before its descent. According to Shaw, the creature unfurled its large leathery wings, which made a notable and loud cracking sound as it leapt off the building and took flight, creating very strong gusts of wind around it. The sound and sudden movement of the creature shook Shaw out of his fear-based stupor, and he sprinted across the parking lot to his car. The fear and anxiety of the situation caused him to fumble his keys for what he described as the longest moments of his life before he literally dove into his vehicle, started the engine, and drove off into the night, not ever daring to look back to see if the creature was following him. Um, I think that that is so funny because, no, not funny, not like funny haha, but like funny like, like, yeah, I I get it. (laughs) Very relatable kind of funny. Um, Because... That's, like, such a common trope in movies and stuff, and it's a very real reaction to, like, being so scared that you suddenly can't use your hands. Um, And while I was writing this, I was, like, thinking about this crazy reoccurring dream nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's not a dream that I've had since I was a child that has that exact situation in it, that kind of moment of, like you fumbling your key, you can't open the door, and then just, like, you finally get it open and you just jet out of there because that's all you can do because you're so scared. I was like, it's just, it's, it's sometimes I think people forget that that's not just something that happens in movies. That happens in real life, too, and that's a real testament to how scared this man was. So, moving on. When he relayed the encounter to his family, they immediately rallied behind him and took his story as the absolute truth, but advised him not to speak to his boss at work or anyone else about the situation as they feared his sanity and credibility would be at stake. Shaw initially agreed with them, but in the following weeks, the memory of the encounter remained fresh in his mind, and he eventually told his supervisor what he had seen. To his surprise, his supervisor did not make a mockery out of what he had witnessed, but instead told Shaw that he was not the first person to see a strange black flying gargoyle creature around Johnson Space Center. Interestingly enough, his supervisor told him that a few months prior to Shaw's encounter, a secret file had been opened to document all of the encounters with this creature, following the brutal death of two German shepherds that lived on the base. The dog's corpses were found mutilated and exsanguinated in the same immediate area that Shaw saw the gargoyle being. Shortly after Shaw confided in his supervisor, the story of his encounter made its way up the chain of command within the space center, and Shaw found himself being questioned by some men who bore an eerie resemblance to what we know as the men in black. The two supposed NASA officials, I wrote that in quotation marks, who claimed to be flown out, who claim, excuse me, who claimed to have been flown out from Arizona to speak with him, came to Shaw in his home and told him that it would be in he and his family's best interest if he never spoke about the encounter again. There have been no public reports of this gargoyle creature being spotted in the last two and a half decades, 
Um, but considering the nature of the situation and the potential involvement in the men in black, that is not necessarily surprising and doesn't really mean that there haven't been encounters since. Um, as with any case that involves, like, I guess, a supposed men in black encounter, it, it's creepy and it's weird and it's not surprising that that's how it ended to me, especially if this man was a, a an archivist for NASA. It's not really that shocking to me that um, that would be you know, kind of the, the way this goes, but that's why it ended up taking 18 years for the story to be public. Um, you know, this, this poor man, Frank Shaw was basically threatened by these two supposed NASA officials, um, who just looked straight out of the fucking workbook for being a man in black. Um, and you know, he kept his mouth shut about it, which is, is totally fine. Um, I tried to do some digging on any more sightings of this gargoyle creature. I came back with nothing, unfortunately. Um, I would love if this supervisor that Shaw had originally uh, confided in would do us all a favor and drop that file to the internet so that we could all read it, because I sure would love to hear about some of the other um, encounters that <clears throat> people have had with this gargoyle creature. Um, but that's, I mean, that's where we're at now. That's, hasn't been another sighting of it in, you know, two and a half decades. It's like 25 years, uh, which is kind of a bummer because a large black gargoyle grotesque creature on the corner of a building seems like all I ever want. Uh, but the part of it that I think is really super interesting to me is the fact that, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because you guys know how I operate at this point, but, um... So the, the bodies of the German shepherds that were found were found super mutilated, like real, real fucking crazy, like very uh, similar fashion almost to some of the um, livestock that was found and examined after the rash of chupacabra sightings, actually. Uh, similar mutation, um, and they were found exsanguinated, which is, you know, means drained of blood. Um, and these these dogs weren't found like sh like shriveled husks of animals, you know? They weren't like suck dry <laughs> but they were missing most of the blood in their body um and there were wounds on the neck from you know this supposed exsanguination so um i think that's really interesting and like for what like i didn't give you guys a deep dive into gargoyle mythology because i don't have the time for that maybe one day i'll have the time for that if you guys want to hear it you let me know i will definitely do that but in this moment i did not do that so it's interesting because there is a huge tie between gargoyle lore and gargoyle history and, like, vampirism. So, like, it that's just, like, a really... It's a, it's a convenient tie for me. Um, I think it's interesting. But, yeah, I would love to um, get a hold of that file. I would love to read some of the other reports, and I would love to know if there are more. Um, I, you know, I, I don't... I don't love that, that people get told they can't tell their story because I want to hear their story but anyway that's fine I suppose um that is what I have for you guys this week um thank you again for kind of sticking around after my little absence there it is much appreciated um and I will be back next week with a really cool store for you guys um so I will see you then thanks for listening uh and catch you next week bye